morning, Real Life Church. I want to welcome all those that are joining us online. Do you realize we still have about 175 to 180 of you guys that are still online? And, and we want you to know that you're just as important as those that are present here. So we're thank you. we thank you for dialing in here this morning. And we're so thankful that you're here, that you got up this morning. And, uh, and despite the slumber and the sleep that you would have rather gathered, I'm so glad that you decided to walk through the doors this morning. Hey, if you guys got your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Jonah. We have been walking through this. Now, I don't know about you, when I'm walking through a book of the Bible, I want to let you know that I, I usually find like one or two things that, that really stick out that, of why I really like this book. Now, Jonah, there's a number of reasons you may or may not like this particular book, but the reason why I like this book is because it, it gives us a, a microcosm of the gospel. I mean, if you think about it, um, there's this, it's this small little microcosm of how God sent someone. I mean, if you think about John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only begotten son. So, so if you change that language, for God so loved Nineveh that he sent Jonah, right? Like there's this, there's this beautiful picture, there's this beautiful parallel that we see in the book of Jonah. And I, and I love being able to see how God just completely complements and parallels so many different things. The Word of God, for those that don't already know, like as you begin to study the Word of God, it complements itself. It reinforces itself. Some people think, oh, there's so many contradictions. Show me. Okay, because the reality is, is, is truth doesn't go against itself. It usually complements and supports. And so if there's a perspective that's wrong, it's usually, guess what? It's usually ours. Um, so I love how God crafts the book of Jonah, and it gives us a clear depiction of what the gospel really is in a nutshell. And so last weekend we discovered a prophet, a guy, and he was given this call to go, to go to this place called Nineveh, which is a large city in the Assyrian Empire. And we know that the Assyrians hated the, the, the Jews, and the Jews hated the Assyrians for understandable reasons. But when the call came, we discovered obviously last week, when the call to go came, Jonah's response was, I'm not even going to respond with my words, I'm going to respond with my actions by going completely in the opposite direction. We discovered a rebellious and a disobedient heart refusing to do anything that the Lord had asked. So let me point out something that I think, I think is, you probably already are aware and you already know, um, but when you talk about like prophets of God, or when you talk about, we can even maybe say like, like pastors and different things. Like, there's really one job. And, and here's the one job that prophets, especially during the time, here's your one job. Um, obey God. Like, that, like that's your job. Like you, you listen to the words that God gives you. And, and whatever he says, you, you just do it. It's like, bro, you... You got one job, and, and you are, you're not batting a thousand right now, okay? You're like, you're, you're failing miserably in every single way. Now, I, I know that, that 
Jonah failed to obey from the very beginning of the first chapter, and we learned last week about things that were present in his heart. If you remember, we talked about how he had hatred in his heart. He had fear in his heart. He had pride in his heart, and those inevitably can get in there, and they're understandable. They were understandable to actually be there, but not any less sinful or justifiable. So, so I understand why and how Jonah could get there. It doesn't make it not a sin. It doesn't make it, well, you know, they, they hate it. I get it. I understand that. It's still a sin. See, uh, I mean, circumstances, culture does not dictate truth. And it does not dictate God's standard. God's standard remains the same whether you like it or not, whether you appreciate it or not, whether it impedes on how you feel that day or not, it stands true and it stands the test of time. This is God's standard. It always has been and it always will be. He had one job. So I was at a, I was at a family gathering, not my family, I was at a friend's family gathering and uh, and. He invited me over to his parents' property, which was on this huge acre, several thousand acre lots. I mean, it was just huge amount of property, and, and uh, the, uh, the kind of the driveway was almost like a mile to kind of get there uh, to the house, and, uh, and so they were celebrating uh, his grandmother's 90th birthday. So there was like 150 people there, and, and so what they did was is they, they called one of their uncles, so one of the one of the, the brothers said, hey, I want you to go to the front of the driveway and I want you to kind of notify us, like send us a text or, or whatever and let us know when they're heading down the driveway so we can all get in place because it was a surprise. They wanted it to be a surprise for their 90-year-old grandmother that all these people came out to celebrate this moment, celebrate this day. And, and so everyone was excited. So, so he went out there and... Uh, probably about 30 minutes later, we had a car drive up, and everyone's just kind of standing around. We're just kind of, and guess who gets out of the car? Grandma. And she's like, what's, what's going on? What's happening right here? And we discovered that um, Uncle, I don't, know his la- I don't know, I can't remember his first name, Uncle Larry. We'll say Uncle Larry. If your name's Larry, it's not aimed at you, okay? All right? But Uncle Larry apparently was hiding in the bushes, and he decided to bring a portable DVD player at that time, and we discovered he was watching The Notebook. And, uh, and so he's, he's engaging, and, and it's like, bro, you, you had one job, just one. And you, 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 all you had to do was go, the car's coming, get into play. Like, that was it. And he couldn't even succeed in this one thing. You got, like, it reminds me of, of like Tommy Boy, that moment, like, what'd you do? Like, you had one job to fulfill and you can't even complete. It feels like parents when they're talking to their teenage children, right? Like, are, are you there? Like, what's happening right now? I asked you to do one thing, that's it. And you can't get this one thing right. And this, this is what it feels like here with Jonah. Jonah, you're a prophet. You got one job and you're not doing it. <laughs> You're not doing it. You're not listening to the Lord. You're not obeying what he's saying to you. But here's what I know about our God. And here's, as you read, hopefully you've been reading through the book of Jonah. I love, I love that 
we serve, know, and follow a God who is so patient with his children. I'm so thankful that he, he works in spite of us and not because of us. That when we offer our worst, he loves us with his best. This is our God. And, and so what I know is, is that God did not give up on Jonah. So if you have your Bibles, I want to continue on in this story in Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 8. And see how God continued to pursue this prophet named Jonah. This is what it says in verse 8. It says, why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What, what is your line of work? What, what country are you from? What is your nationality? This is the sailors talking to Jonah. Jonah answered, I, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, they said, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, well, what should we do to stop this storm? Make sense? Well, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get, to the, sh get the ship to land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they just, they just couldn't make it. When they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up, threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him, the Lord, a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Heavenly Father, we, we ask that you join us here this morning. God, we just, we need you. I pray, God, that you would open up our hearts and our minds, open up our ears to be able to hear you. Lord, I, I pray that our, our prayer would be, would be one of, of invitation. God, would you invite us to be where you are this morning? Would you move us from where we are to where you are? Would you bring us into a deeper love relationship than we ever thought possible? Because this is the God that you are. So Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do. Move and change us in any way you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's look at this second half of chapter one. If you remember in chapter, or verse seven, the, uh, the, the sailors, they're all rolling die. And, and guess what? God, God used die, dice, uh, to actually um, identify Jonah as the culprit. And so the the, the sailors turn, and they start having this conversation with Jonah in this moment. They're like, um, why has this awful storm come, come down on us? I mean, the, the, the dice showed that you're the problem. You're the problem. And so they, come, they gather around him, and they're like, okay, so, 
So what's going on? Like, why is there a massive storm getting ready to kill us? What's it? They're like, there's more to you than what you said when you first got, a, got on board and you bought a ticket and, and, uh, and you, you kind of haven't shared a whole lot with us. So, so, like, where are you from? What's your nationality? Uh, give us some more information because this doesn't seem to be working out. And, and so what does this, this Jonah do to them at this moment? He turns and he goes, you can see, like... Like, come into this story with me here for a second. You can see Jonah kind of going, yeah, 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 this is, uh, this is bad. It's bad. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to die. You, so what, what's going on? Tell us a little bit more about you. And Jonah's like, well, um, I am a Hebrew. I'm one of God's chosen children. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a worshiper of the one true God and like we talked about last week, what did he say? He's like, and yeah, and this God, he, he controls the sea and the land, and I'm running away from him. And, and then verse, verse 10, you can see these sailors going, what? <laughs> like, like help, help me in this moment, like. So your God controls sea and land, and you decided to get on a boat to escape God, the one that controls sea and land. Like, is your frontal lobe not completely formed in this moment? Like, is there a disconnect? Are you struggling with something? Um, because this just doesn't make sense. Like, why? Why are you? Why did you do this? What are you thinking, child? What's your problem? You know, it, it's funny. I don't have time to go into this, but there's actually psychological, um, like, articles that suggest that, that there is a disconnect from, like, child, like, early infancy all the way up to, like, those teenage years. Like, things haven't fully, like, neurons haven't fully connected. And so when children, unfortunately, do unintelligent things, this is, should be expected, like, there's, there's an actual disconnect, and it's almost, it's almost like this moment here, it's like, what were you, like a parent going, what were you thinking? Like, this does not, this not register, this does not make sense on any level, and yet, you're going to go against the God of the, you think you, you think you got a chance here? You think this is going well for you? Just look outside of our boat. How's that working out? You don't have to go too far. And Jonah Jonah's like, yeah, this is uh, this. It's kind of it's kind of my fault, and and it's understandable that these that these pagan, these pagan worshippers of other gods, um, they're freaking out because they would often assign they would often assign powers to their different deities to their different gods. Uh, and it happened all through that, that time. I mean, even when you look at Egypt, you've got like Egypt worshiping the God of Ra, who controls the sun, and then Anubis, you know, death, and, and all this kind of stuff. There's, there's all these different gods. And so, so when he said land and sea, they're going, not smart, not, not a good plan here, Jonah. And Jonah finally goes, they finally are like, well, what should we do? How do, we, how do we navigate this? What do, like, thank you for bringing this storm upon us, but what, what do we do now? And then Jonah goes, well, you know what? 
just, you know, just toss me overboard, and, uh, and then, the, you know, the, the, the storm will stop, and, uh, and we'll, just go our, we'll just go our separate ways. And here's what's, here's what's incredible. These sailors, and I find this fascinating, like the sailors are pursuing Jonah in this moment, going, first of all, why? Why are you living this way? Can you see, like a prophet of God should be saying this. Why are you making these choices? Do you see the irony in this moment? Like these pagan lost sailors are putting on the hat of prophet and this irony, this moment, they're reversing roles. And then instead of them kind of immediately throwing Jonah off, you know what they do? They're like, no, we, we care about you more than that. So they grab some rows and they're trying to get to land. Like they're, they're doing everything that they can in their power to see this guy saved. And the storm, what happens, it gets worse and more violent so then they, they cry out. They cry out to God. And they're like, Lord, please don't let us make, don't let us die for this man's sin, for this man's choices. And please don't hold us responsible. Please don't hold us responsible for what we're about to do, okay? Because we we're out of options, so what happened? These men, they take up Jonah, and then they toss him overboard, and the storm stops. Like, it just, it just stops. Like, in that moment, like, it, it reminds me, if you guys ever seen the, the VeggieTale movie, Jonah? Okay, all right, this is, all right, this is, I got kids. All right, and, uh. They threw him over, and then it just, you know, it stops, and the, the, the clouds part, and then the waters stop, and so Jonah's just kind of sitting there, huh. you know? No more storm, no more violent waves, no more nothing. And in that moment, you got to imagine, like, what are, the, what are the, the sailors thinking? Bro, what did you do? You know what I'm saying? It's like... What did you do? Like, there's something, like, you did something, like, awful. And then what do we see happen? We see that the sailors sacrifice to the Lord. And then this large fish comes and swallows up Jonah. Why? Why is this important to us? Why should this be important to you? See, there's this, this guy in verse 11 and 12, and, and the storm was getting worse and worse and worse, and, and he knows it was him. He knows it was him. He knows that he is going in the opposite direction of what God wanted him to do. See, Jonah's choices were pretty clear. Jonah, Jonah's choices were actually very clear in a lot of ways from the very beginning. What do we... Jonah's... Three choices, and maybe not. There we go. All right. Jonah's choices. He ignored God. We know that from the very beginning of the chapter. He completely ignored God. He ran away from God. We know that from the beginning of the chapter. And then he chose a different path in spite of God. God, I, I know what you said. 
I know how you're moving. I know what you want to do. And I even know possibly the potential of what you could do. See, I don't want that to happen, so I'm going to choose my own path, and I'm going to head my own way. Jonah's choices were pretty clear. He decided, I just want to be fully disobedient to what God is. Maybe because it was the pride, maybe because it was the fear, maybe it was because of the hatred already in his heart for all these different reasons, this is where he was. So what were Jonah's results, though? What were the Jonah's results of his, well, first of all, it was communication silence between he and God. Like, you notice there was no conversation that was going between Jonah and God. Like, these pagan sailors and God, that happened, but not Jonah and God. In fact, from the beginning of the chapter, there was no communication. See, when we, when we make a willful choice, you know what? We want to do everything we can to silence the voice of God in our life because it makes it easier, at least in our mind, to head in a different direction. So sometimes when God feels silent or seems silent, you better look at your own heart because sometimes you're willfully heading in a direction you know you shouldn't. But then the other result he endangered others. We've said this before. Sin is collateral. When you make a sinful choice, when you choose a sinful path, when you do sinful things that violate God's standard and his law, guess, guess what? It's not going to only affect you. We know that from as, as husbands. Husbands, fathers, when you make a choice in your marriage that goes against God's standard, guess what? You think it only affects you? You think it only involves you? Uh Uh-uh. It involves every life that you're closely connected to. And it happens every time. Every time. Your sin doesn't only belong to you. And these sailors were affected by the choice that Jonah made. They were brought into this storm because of Jonah's decision. His choice. And it affected everyone around him, everything around him. It endangered all of their lives because of this one sinful choice. But then this last one gave up on life. See the result? There's some scholars that that look at this particular part of the passage and they go, you know what? Um, This is where I think Jonah probably his heart changed. He switched and he went, you know what, I was wrong. You just need to throw me over, overboard and everything. No, no, I don't think that's what this moment is. You know what I think this moment is? I think Jonah is an absolute coward in this moment. Absolute coward. He would rather die than obey God in this moment. He would rather, to use a a modern day illustration, he would rather go uh, suicide by cop. Like, that's what it is. Like, he's, he's too much of a coward to deal with it, to deal with the responsibility of what it would take to go back and re-engage in life and re- re-engage in obedience than I would just rather just throw me overboard. It was almost like, God, I know you want me to do this, but I know how we'll handle this. Hey, you guys, throw me overboard. It'll be done with. My life will be gone. And then, God, I still don't have to listen and obey in any way that you have asked me. He's a coward. Suicide by storm in this case, right? But here's the challenge. Maybe you feel like you're there right now. Maybe you feel like you are so far gone 
that you just can't, that you can't go back. Maybe you're this morning or online or wherever you are, maybe you feel like, Joel, you don't, like I am so far in this way and so far in the opposite direction. The storm around me is so fierce. I'm just, let's just call it quits. Do you realize that suicide is the most selfish act on the planet? It's the most selfish act on the planet. Because your whole world is consumed with you. Maybe you feel like God looks at you with shame. And I can't believe you, we have all these conversations with God. I can't, uh, Joel, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you went there. And it drowns us in this moment. Drowns us. And our adversary loves it. He loves speaking this language over you. And he loves speaking these lies to you. And here's the problem. You're buying into it. You, like Jonah, are like, just throw me overboard. Everything will be better. Everything will be fine. People I love the most, they'll, they'll be better off. Whatever it is that's going through your mind is a lie. It's a lie from Satan. It's a lie that you've been telling yourself for maybe far too long. There is no such thing as a lost cause in the hands of God. Not at all. There's nothing that is so far gone. There's nothing that is so far lost. There's nothing that is so far broken that our powerful God who controls all things cannot redeem, restore, and heal. There's nothing. Our God is bigger than your pride. He's bigger than your victim mentality. And he will still love you and his enemies even when you don't feel worthy of it. This is our God. This is the God of Jonah. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac. This is the God of us right now. This is the God of you and me. Make no mistake, our God has a plan. And in that plan, do you know what? His plan was to use Jonah, for his own reasons. I don't know why. You and I would be like, yeah, we could probably find someone better. <laughs> right? But not God. See, God already made a decision. And he knew who he wanted to use. And so, God had a plan, and for his reasons alone, it included Jonah. And if God decides something, if our God decide something. Is there anything or anyone in existence that can alter that plan? No. There's nothing in this universe made or un it doesn't matter what it is. Nothing can thwart God's plan. But of course, before God could use Jonah, he had to change Jonah. He had to change Jonah. So you think that storm was, a, was an accident? No. Do you think God knew exactly what he was doing in order to capture this in Jonah's life? You better believe it. Every step, everything our God is, in, everything he does and says is intentional. 
It's laced with purpose. Infinite wisdom is found in every decision he makes. He does not make mistakes. It is outside of his character. It is outside his nature. Otherwise, he wouldn't be God. God knows exactly what he's doing in your life. He knows the exact plans that he has for your life. And he will enact them. No matter your choice. All right, I'll just commit suicide. But God's not done with you. Our God is not done with you. You know why? Because the second point here that we're going to close on here this morning is our God has the power to change. He's the only one that does. He has the power to change anything, to change everything. See, we love to rationalize and we love to reason how things ought to play out in our mind based on natural things. Well, that can't happen because of this. That can't happen because of this. There's no way this person can, can change. There's no way that this could happen. There's no way, there's no way, there's no way. Here's what I know. God is the only one that does the impossible. God is the only one that works outside of nature and works in the supernatural. He doesn't work in the ordinary. He works in the extraordinary. He constantly has the power to do anything you and I never could from the beginning. We like the idea and the myth of thinking we've got control. We like the idea thinking that we can somehow navigate our lives down a specific way. But God alone changes lives, not you, not me. God has a plan to use every one of you in some way or another. Do you know that? I want you, to, I want you right now to understand these words that are being spoken at you this morning. God has a plan for every single one of you. And no matter how much you want to fight it, no matter how much you want to run away from it, no matter how much you want to negate it out of your life because it's inconvenient or anything else, make no mistake, our God's plan always happens. Always. Always happens. But sometimes he's got to mold you, right? He's got to break you down. He's got to craft you. He's got to change you before he can ever even effectively use you. He has to. He's got to, got to put his powerful hands all over you. And this is what he did with Jonah. Jonah, like, he thought he was going to get away uh, and the storm came. Okay, then he thought he was going to get away by giving up his life and being thrown in the sea. And what did God do? Okay, shh, silence the sea. Quiet. See, mankind, we have the ability to deal with symptoms. Think about when you have a headache. When you have a headache, what do you do? You, you, you take some aspirin or you take some Tylenol or whatever, whatever you take. And you know what it does? Is it kills the pain. Kills the symptoms. Doesn't mean you're not sick. Doesn't mean there's not something systemic in your life that's actually causing those. Just like anything else in our life. See, man... We love the ability to kill the pain, deaden things. And so, so we race towards these different things. And for some of us, it's money because money can continually to perpetually uh, distract and, and numb things out. And I can live how I want in that moment, which is why it's so hard for a rich man to come into the kingdom. It's also the reason why we find addictions and we find uh, men find pornography and men uh, chase down these different avenues or, or these men and women, we chase down these addictions of, of maybe drugs and different, uh, there's a number of different things that we can get plugged into. 
And that's what we do. We try to, we try to numb things out in order to actually deal with the root problem, which is us. But see, our God specializes in this. He moves past all of our ability to work out our own life. The power of changing only belongs in the hands of a mighty God. Do you, do you understand? Like, There was no surprises along this journey with Jonah. There was none. Just like there's no surprises where you are this morning, right now. There's no surprises. God knows right where you are. He knows every secret. He knows every choice that you've made or are going to make. And his plan is still in full motion. And he is still moving. And he is still working through all of it. See, this power only belongs to Almighty God. So God decided to change a few things. As we look at this story, what did, what did God change? Well, the first thing he changed is what? Look at, if you look at verse 15, then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. God changed nature. Do you get that? Our God. Our God changed nature. You know why? Because he rules over nature. He's creator of all things. He's the creator of you. He's creator of the waves and the mountains and the seas. If God wants the earth to shake, he's going to make the earth shake. Make no mistake. If he wants a mountain to crumble, it'll crumble. If he wants a mountain to rise, it'll rise. If he wants the wind to blow, it'll blow. If he wants the sun to stand still, he makes the sun stand still. This is our God. Stop forgetting the power and the might of our God. He's so much bigger than whatever you're walking through. And in this moment, he stood there. The, 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 the sailors saw a storm immediately stop as soon as Jonah was thrown overboard. They've probably been sailors their whole life on the oceans their whole life and never saw anything like that before. What else did he change? He changed the sailors themselves, right? He changed the sailors themselves. Verse 14 then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and hold us responsible. Then verse 16, it says, the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. I'm gonna go as far as saying, man, they came to know the God of the universe because of some guy's sinful choice to try to run away from God. Do you, like, do you realize that that was part of God's plan? So do you think God will do something with your life to see another person come to Christ as well? Absolutely. He does it all the time. Now we can say how tragic, how awful, but guess what? They got eternity in that moment. And they fixed their eyes on the God of the universe that could only calm the storm, that could only bring the change. So don't, don't dismiss the things that you're currently walking through or have walked through. God can bring about redemption just collaterally, just like your sin was brought about collaterally. It affects everyone, but so does the gospel. Jesus is moving in every way through every decision, and he will work. These sailors are a testimony of that. He absolutely changed these sailors. But then finally he changed Jonah, changed his direction. 
changed his sense of control. Oh, you, you think you're going to die? Yeah, yeah, that's not, it's not going to work out the way you thought. You know why? Because I chose you. I chose you, Jonah. And as badly as you don't want me, I want you all the more. I'm going to chase after your... My, guess what? Our God's will is bigger than yours. His will is so much stronger than yours. And if he wants you, guess what? I think God gives us these choices. You, well, you can either do it the easy way or the hard way. But make no mistake, God will always get his way. Always get his way. He's going he's gonna to have you if he wants you. So you could be running and you could be trying to ignore and you could be going in the 180 opposite direction as long as you think you can. But I promise you, when Jesus is on your tail, grace always catches up. It always catches up and it finds you at the exact time that he intended. And I love Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. Look at this verse. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. It says, the Lord your God he will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and soul and so you may live. There's no lost cause in here this morning because otherwise I'd be categorized up in the back. See, you, there's no one so far gone this morning. Stop thinking that your marriage is irreconcilable. Stop it. Stop thinking that your choice has devastated your children and they're never going to love you again and everything is a disaster and all these things. Stop it. You know why? Because your God has your children on a similar plan, on a different plan as well. See, God works with us individually. We love to group us all together. But God has an individual plan for every individual life that has ever individually lived on this planet. And make no mistake, it will always come to fruition because our God is always faithful and he's always in control. He is sovereign over all. He sees the beginning and the end. He is the bookends of existence. He sees how it starts. He sees how it ends. And he is the orchestrator of all things. Nothing is outside of his power or his authority in any way. And Jonah thinking that he could somehow initiate his own plan. God goes, I got a different plan for your life. Just like he's got a different plan for each and every one of your lives. He wants to do more. I love what 1 Peter verses 1, 8 and 9 says this. Because when you get to this place, when God does transform, look at, what, look at where it ushers you into. It says, you love him even though you've never seen him. See, this is, when God has this, even when you don't see God, you love him. When God has this, though you do not see him now, you trust him. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I just know the one who holds it. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. How many of you need that this morning? I just need joy. I need to, see life different, any experience life different. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Jonah wasn't, he thought he was giving up. And God goes, yeah, nothing gets outside of me. Just like none of you get outside of his. He's not done with you. 
our God changes. He moves us and he makes us and he molds us and he crafts us. And yes, it's hard. And yes, the storms inevitably sometimes come, but they're in, they're in order to bring us back to this place of redemption, this place of you're not so far gone. I am ready to use you starting today. The Lord is not done with you and he has the power to change you and he wants to change many of you even this morning if you're gonna, if you let him, if you just say, okay, God, I'm, I'm done trying to do to do my life. I'm done trying to change things in my own, in my own way, in my own power. And God goes, now's the time to lay down your control. Now's the time to lay down your power and trust me. I will bring you to exactly where you need to go and I will redeem and restore exactly the things that you have lost because I'm God and I'm bigger than you. <laughs> I'm stronger than you. I'm more powerful and, and I am, I have more power in my pinky or in my uh, mere thought than you do in your entire existence. Do you not think that, that I can't see you and understand what you're walking through? I am producing something bigger, something more beautiful than you could ever imagine. I found this quote, and with this, I just, I'm gonna be done here. It's a poem that I stumbled on, and I thought it was just this beautiful poem about how our God has a plan to change each and every one of us, whether we want it or not. This is what it says. It says, there is a God who loves us so. For forsaking his throne, he changed hearts to know. With eyes of compassion, he gazed on man and offered a way through a pain-filled plan. Once broken and lost, a plague on mankind, a savior now risen opens eyes of the blind. So wicked we started from the beginning of time, but the lamb was slain so that heaven be mine. Be mine. See, God is saying right now, I see you and I'm not going to let you go because my plan includes you. It includes you. Every single one of you. It includes every single one of you. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that his plan included me. I'm so thankful that his plan includes you. Because when we understand that, the body becomes alive. And cities and families and marriages are changed for a lifetime. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Can I just say that if you've never been changed by Jesus, he wants to do that right now in your heart and in your life. In this moment right now where you're sitting, I want you to know Jesus is, is going, I've been waiting for this moment for the past 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, however you, however long you've been alive right now, Jesus is going, change happens right now. So if you want to know this change, if you want to know this Savior who says, you're part of my plan, you're not, you're not, I don't, I'm not planning for a future version of you, I'm planning for the version of you right now. You're not my plan B, you're my plan A, and I'm going to use you, and I'm going to save you, and I'm going to transform you 
And I want to do that right now. If you want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that starts this morning. If you want to experience real change, it starts with Jesus. It always has. And it doesn't just start with Jesus. It's a lifelong journey with Jesus, and then it even ends with Jesus with open arms saying, well done, good and faithful servant. If you want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I'm going to just lead you in a prayer. If you want to give your heart to him right now, do you realize he's listening to you? He's hearing you. And he wants, he wants you to step into this moment. As fearful as you may be right now, he wants you to step into this moment. And he's saying, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. If you want to give your heart to Christ, you can say this prayer out loud or silently in your heart. And it's not my words, it's who you're talking to right now. It's you saying these words to Jesus himself. You can say these words by saying, dear Jesus, I've been running away from you. And I'm lost. I've been choosing my own way. I'm tired. I'm done. Jesus, would you save me? Save me from my choices. Save me from myself. Make me new. I don't want to be the same. I believe that you're God. And you died for my sin. You died for my broken choices. So that I could have life. Jesus, never let me go. I'm yours for a lifetime. Lead me down the path that you would have me to go. And Jesus, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed right now, I just want to pray for you as I normally do. If there's someone here that made that statement, made that decision for Jesus Christ, made that, drove that stake in the ground saying, I'm going to change today, and it starts with Jesus. If you made a decision for Jesus this morning, would you just do me a favor? Would you just slip your hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. That's all I want to do. I just want to pray for you. Thanks. Appreciate that. Moving over here to the center. I'm just praying. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to make sure I'm not listening. Yeah, I see that. Thank you. Anyone else said that prayer for the very first time for Jesus? Father, thanks. Thanks that you're in the business of changing. Changing lives, changing people, changing directions, changing paths. And there's not a path that we can run down that you're not able to, to redeem and restore and make, make us, make, work it out for good, Lord Jesus. Our sinful choices can even bring about the redemption of those that have no idea who you are. The, you can turn every every moment into a redemptive moment where people that are even lost because of our sinful choices can be made found. The, the blind can see, Lord Jesus, thank you that you're a God alone that has the power to change. So would you change us? Would you change me this morning? Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you've done, all that you're doing in our lives. Continue to move and work in a powerful way. Lord Jesus, I pray for those that are maybe know you, but they're just running away from you. 
God, would you grab hold of their hearts right now? Would you grab hold of their minds? Would you, would you stop them in their tracks? And that you would powerfully, lovingly, patiently in your own way, would you turn them around and face them towards you once again? God, only you can do that. And I ask that you would do that here at Redemption, or here at Real Life Church, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to be redemptive in every moment all along the way, Lord Jesus, that you would move us, that you would move us closer to where you are from where we were. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray.